in my area, in our area, we live in um, an affluent part of Wisconsin. The most of the clients that I see are, um, they have a lot of disposable income and we, when you have a good amount of disposable income and you choose not to prioritize something, then call that what it is, which is health is not my priority right now. My priority is, um, these vacations for my family or, um, this extra vehicle or whatever. I'm not demonizing any of that, but it's just health is not the priority. This is the Farm Hop Life Podcast. I'm Matt DeRozier. Today we're talking with Dylan and Ashley Snazy of Steady Presence in Black Creek, Wisconsin. Ashley is a birth doula and a registered holistic dietitian. And Dylan is just some grunt work cheese head she's married to. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Great. Thanks oh, for having good. us. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's good to finally connect. Yes. Yes. I'm happy that you guys are here. Um, Dylan, I'm just giving you a little bit of crap. I was born in Wisconsin, so... Oh really? Oh yeah. okay, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lacrosse. Okay. So very cool. Yeah, I I looked up. I was like, oh, Black Creek. I wonder where that, uh, where that's at. And like all the little cities around you guys, are just like made up words. I swear, like those little towns, like <laughs> no one could ever say like that speaks English, uh, could say any of those any of those little town names. I'm like, that's made up. That's made up. That doesn't make any sense. And then you go like a little bit further out, like, oh, Appleton, that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. So many consonants. Yeah, that is true. Jones around us. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs vowels? Whatever. Um, <laughs> so you guys moved into a new house. When did you make that move and why did you make that move? Yeah. So, um, yeah, during 2020, um, we've just, we made the decision in 2020 to look for a piece of property. We've been wanting to do it for some time. And we always thought that it was going to be this future thing where we'll have the money in the future. We'll be ready for this in the future. Like way, way down the road. Like yeah. 40s, in our 40s, that's when all of our ducks will be in a row. And that's when we'll be ready to do it. Yep. Um, and so, um, yeah, uh, the events in like 2020 just kind of, uh, pushed that roadmap up a bit and, um, uh, we couldn't stand to be in the city anymore for a multitude of reasons. Like we didn't have, so we were living in a 700 square foot house on a cement slab with a single car garage. And a quarter acre of land uh, with our two boys who at the time. So the day we found out we were pregnant with Vinny was the day we moved into that little house. So we went from like we moved in already too big for that house, but mm-hmm. we knew we needed to use it as a stepping stone financially. Um, and that was the closest that we could get to like tiny living in a city because we had looked sure. through all of the regulations um, for like actually buying a tiny house or living in a camper. And, um, 
it wasn't legal anywhere around here. So we got this mm. little 1950s house that was redone and we aggressively uh, gardened it. We had four the four chickens that we were allowed and then the police were called when we had seven one time. So <laughs> we were back to four. And um, during 2020, like April of 2020, we started raising rabbits for meat in our backyard because we saw the food shortages and that was like the most terrified we've ever been about mm -hmm. anything, especially looking our two little boys in the face and being like, okay, we don't have enough food on hand for anything because oh, yeah. we live in this tiny house. So we started raising rabbits for meat. We turned like a whole wall of our, um, of our family room into a pantry and just like put nice. curtains over it. <laughs> like yeah. it looked nice. The aesthetic was fine, but you pulled it back and it was like a month worth of food. Um, so we just started casually looking for land and um, feeling like we were never going to find anything, never going to find anything um, because we wanted to stay relatively close because both of our parents live in the area and are a huge help with the boys. And obviously sure. we love them and we want to be by them. So um, this piece of property came up and my friend had sent it to me um, on a Friday morning. And she said, look at this. It's really cute. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's adorable. The house is beautiful. It's on five acres, which is plenty for us. Um, I sent it to Dylan and he says, pull the trigger. And I'm like, what, is, <laughs> what does that even mean? Like we, we haven't gone to a single open house. Like, we are not looking aggressively for a home. And I said, okay, I'll pull the trigger if you can get a pre-approval letter. And I thought that would be the end of it. How is he going to get an, a pre-approval pre letter? Four o'clock in the afternoon on that Friday, he's like, well, the pre-approval is in your inbox. Can you talk to a realtor and get us a showing? So we, uh, Went the next morning, put in an offer on Sunday, not really knowing where all of the money was coming from. Just like sure. trusting that this was, we'll sell everything we have. We'll, I don't know. We had no plan. Like, okay, we had some plan, but like, we really didn't know where the money was coming from. And God just like moved a bunch of mountains for us and everything worked out perfectly. We, our That's offer amazing. shouldn't have been accepted, but it was because the people liked us. Um, so it was a total whirlwind and um, my sister ended up buying our house. So that worked out really well. And so we, nice. our first day here was August 19th, I think. So it's, it's still really new. We are always feeling like we should be doing more. And then we remember that we moved at the end of August and it's like, yeah, we're probably doing enough now. Like yeah. <laughs> we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. Six months. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow. yeah. 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 I've seen like little like snippets or whatever from your videos and whatnot. And it looks like a cool place. It's beautiful. Nice big barn. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. We plan on having barn dances in there. So we just got Perfect. a bunch of lights and uh, the past couple of weeks I've been uh, uh, listening to various uh, songs on Pandora and, and shuffling them over to a 
playlist just for the farm dances and there you go um yeah we're looking forward to that my wife and i actually got married in a barn in wisconsin so oh that's nice. awesome yeah it's the perfect yeah. place to be we love absolutely. it absolutely yeah you guys could could probably go visit and uh rip off a bunch of their ideas it's uh hey. the enchanted barn in barrow wisconsin Barrow? i don't remember i've heard it's of like, that. like barron county i think is what the but yeah, anyway, so you mentioned your you mentioned your boys and your parents are nearby. Um are your and you homeschool your kids. That's awesome. Um how's that going? Are your are your parents involved in that? Uh very much so. So <clears throat> our kids go to my parents uh every Tuesday and Thursday, um, except for this month because they're in Alabama. Oh. Um they snowbird. Yeah, they snowbird. Um, What's in Alabama? Uh, the well, beach. The beach. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, I went to visit um, in this past November, and it's almost like being in Florida. Um, I mean, just a, a couple miles down the road from where they're staying is the F Florida uh, coast of the Panhandle. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a nice area. Um, so yeah, I'm assuming so, they're staying with family or you just like go have fun in Alabama. Hope you make it back. No, they, they, they have a uh, condo. They like a timeshare. Oh, I see. Your parents are there with your kids. No, wait, your parents are there. Just my, parents. Yeah. They're not parents. going over to gotcha. their house because I'm a little slow. It's fine. So. <laughs> Excuse my reach here. Yeah, it's because I was born in Wisconsin. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, same here. <laughs> um, yeah, so they um, uh, kids go to uh, grandparents uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, and so they're uh, every, like every week uh, they like pick a new letter, and or is it a month? I don't, I don't know. It's just like after mastery, they're in no hurry to do anything, which is so perfect for our approach of like unschooling and um, following it's like totally child led. Um, I, every once in a while I get swept up in the like homeschooling Facebook groups that are like, what curriculum are you, are you using for this, this, and this, which is like, I want everybody to have the freedom to homeschool the way that they want. And that works really, really awesome for some people, but it's not the right path for us. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been doing unschooling and then uh, books that are called fun schooling books. And they are very child led. Um, it's basically like guided journals for okay. all different um stages of learning and development and stuff and it um guides research about things that kids are interested in so um we we were really worried about telling our parents both sets of our parents that we were homeschooling um because uh we were expecting the but what about socialization conversation and they're going to turn out weird and all of the stereotypes about homeschooled right. kids um and we've gotten nothing but support from both sides yep. of our family and um like your parents are 
the first ones to tell us every time, this is such a great fit for you guys. I'm so glad you can do this. So, um, and especially in the context of the farm, like there's infinite opportunities to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. Um, I, the socialization thing, like that must've been like a marketing thing put on like by like public schools or whatever. Cause like, um, I don't know, like I, I thought about it the other day, like how did that even get started? Like the socialization, the socialization. And I saw somebody's response like, well, I'm not raising socialists, so I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. I was always told in public school that I was not there to socialize. And that I was there That's to true. be quiet in trouble. and do my work. So like in those exact words, you're not here to socialize. Please turn around. You're not supposed to be talking right now. You get 20 minutes for recess or whatever where you can be with your friends. So I think we're doing just fine. That is a great point. That's yeah. a great point. Um, so speaking about like learning on the farm. What are you guys uh, growing this year? Are you starting anything new? Um, so this uh, past year, we we got more lane chickens, and we already had the rabbits. Okay. The, uh, the new thing that we yeah. had. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The new thing that we had last year were ducks, and they weren't hard to integrate into our life. They basically take care of themselves and you just go out and fill a pond every day and flip it over at night and you're good. Um, nice. and they, really... they bring so much personality. Yeah. That's my favorite part of the whole farm. Like even if they, I mean, they do produce stuff for us, but even if they didn't, I would just want to have them because to go outside and hear and you see them all coming for you with their little weird waddle. It's so fun. So fun. Ted can put them away and get them out in the morning by himself. And that's like his fun thing when Dylan had to take a couple business trips in the fall and he's like, mom, no, you don't have to come out here right now. I'll let the ducks out myself. And I just watch his little body walk out there in no hurry. He'd get like, distracted by a puddle and then he'd go 15 20 more feet and then he'd pick up his shovel and drag that around with him and then he'd come around the corner I can't see him as he's going the whole way he'd come back around the corner I'll be like did you do it he's like yeah I took care of everything it's fine <laughs> um so the ducks are super fun sorry I didn't mean to trip you no no um okay just a little side note yeah. I about a month ago I did an interview with uh Toolman Tim I listened and to that. It was a great interview. I enjoyed it. But um like halfway during the interview, I would like kind of turn my head and, and Ash would be interjecting. And I'm like, okay, in in future interviews, we just gotta do this together because we kind of fill each other's uh awkward pauses. Sure. Tim asked him, um, so like where can people find you or what are you doing? Like to lead people to our business or whatever. And I don't remember what you said, but I was like, I held up a card that was like, what about doula? What about nutrition? What about farm? I don't remember what you went with, but like I, I did an interview with Jack and I felt the same way where like, if I had somebody else to, if I had you to fill in. Yeah. 
the gaps that it would have worked out better. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway. What are we growing new this year? Um, what are we growing new? Uh, we're not, okay. So we're, we're not really doing a lot new. I mean, we're expanding the ducks. Um, we're having less chickens and we'll, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, but, uh, the, the gardens. I think that that's new. Yes. I think that qualifies as new. Okay, good. Okay. We're having a big garden this year. So. Two. 1,500 square feet, 2,000. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't Big. know. Check in later. Check in later in the <laughs> season and see how okay. it Okay. So let's up. talk about that for a second because I'm curious. It, your, your, your penciled plans, I guess, is a 1,500 to maybe 2,000 square foot garden. Are you doing like straw bale gardening, square foot gardening, row gardening? Like kind of walk me, raise beds. Like what do you... What's kind of like the plan there? It'll be um, mostly rows, and we're going to do uh, sheet mulching, lasagna gardens. So we're not tilling anything. We tilled for garlic in the fall mm -hmm. because we didn't have enough time to even put anything down or do anything. Yeah. We're like, we need garlic for the upcoming season. We have a friend who... Uh, raises goats that uh uses i think a clove per goat per day she was like if you can grow any of that i'll buy it from you okay um as a preventative and like dewormer okay um, i think i've heard so that we, before that's cool yeah so we got that in the ground and um tilled that but the rest of it'll be lasagna gardening we have a neighbor that brought over um really an obscene amount of cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> like giant cardboard boxes that were, um, uh, I think it was mostly furniture. Down. Yeah. Furniture but like boxes, a lot, so. of, okay. a lot of cardboard. our whole well house good. is filled with, uh, cardboard boxes. So we're going to do that. We're going to do, um, rabbit manure. Um, cause that's cold, um, fertilizer. Yes. Um, and we're drowning in it at all times. Mm -hmm. And um, what else are we going to put on top? Um, I mean, just, uh, you know, wood chips. Uh, maybe maybe my dad can get a few passes of uh, the lawnmower so we can put grass on it. Okay. Um, yeah, really any yeah. green material that we can get our hands on. So then it'll be row gardens of... Um, we're starting tomatoes and peppers indoors from seed here shortly if we can get the basement cleaned up, which is, I'll do anything in this house except for this basement. <laughs> I can't stand it. Um, it'll get done. And then, um, but we're not going to start anything else. We did winter sowing last year and we're just going to direct sow all of that stuff this year. Okay. Um, and... We have stock tank gardens that the boys manage um, for uh, four foot by two foot stock tank gardens. And those mm. were like so prolific last year. Is that with, like a raised bed style? Just in a stock tank? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't know if it was like aquaculture type or just using a stock tank for a raised bed. Okay. Yeah. We had them at the last house because um, most of our sun was on our driveway. 
So we did the stock tanks to utilize sure. that. And we had a super long driveway that went into the garage, like toward the back of the property. But the garage was filled with rabbits. So we didn't have to bring our car back there. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so then we put the stock tanks in front of the guard or in front of the garage. Um, and they just did super. Did super you get well. in trouble for that too? Um, no. So the police officer that came out to um, respond Arrest to the, the chickens. complaint. Arrest the chickens. Yeah. He said um, that was kind of like, it was all dramatic. We knew exactly which neighbor it was. He is super retired and has too much time on his hands. Super grumpy. Stands on his deck and just. Yeah. Like you can hear him from his deck. And. So my boys see a police officer come up. <laughs> Dylan's all talk. He's like, oh, well, I don't care. Have him call the police. Bah. The police come and he turns white as a sheet. And he's like, oh, oh. I'm like, okay, you need to go. I'm going to go get the door and take care of this and it'll be fine. I'm like, hi, officer. Yeah, I understand. It was really a situation. We had seven chickens because we were giving... We were getting new ones and then giving some other ones to a farmer friend that we had. So it was sure. transient. And <clears throat> so I explained the situation. He's like, yeah, that totally makes sense. He's like, can I see your setup in the backyard? Oh, sure. Come on back. Um, so then he talked for like 25 minutes about how much he loves chickens and how his sister has like 25 chickens out in the country and all of them are pets and they have names. And he just They're thinks pets. it's so neat that you can do this in the, in the um, city. And that that's totally fine. Just let us know when the other ones go. And then I had, he's like, and then I have to come back out to close this complaint. So then he came back out and gave us a free rain barrel that he, him and his wife weren't using anymore. The officer gave us a free rain barrel. So we felt a lot of support from, sure. <laughs> from the city. And then he, since that didn't work out, he called the city uh, ordinance guy the um, because he thought we were breaking like visual ordinances. The, the neighbor called. The neighbor yeah. called the ordinance guy. I followed that one. That one I did understand. <laughs> So he came out and he is a part of the town sustainability committee. And so he was really jazzed about what we were doing. And he's like, oh yeah, the compost is awesome. Yeah. You don't, there's no limit on rabbits. So have as many as you want. Um, yeah. This rain catchment looks really cool. Um, so um yeah, it was actually a really neat experience overall. Um, we don't miss that neighbor or any of the neighbors. We had a lot of nice neighbors, but we were in such close quarters in the last sure. house. And the breathing space out here is just... Oh, yeah. Can't be beat. Can't be beat. Yep. One bad neighbor can completely tear away like 10 good ones. Like, it's yeah. crazy how... like. The, there's no balance in like, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so it sounds like you're doing like some lasagna gardening. And um, I, I'm curious about your setup with the, um, 
the ducks and the chickens and the rabbits. So, um, so you've got your rabbits over the chickens, which makes sense. They let the manure like drop through and the chickens pick it up. But like, so where do your ducks fit in with that picture? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So a little, little background, uh, the rabbits and the chickens together. Like I, I, I didn't come up with that idea. That's, right. that's from uh, Joel Salatin, uh, and he calls it a Rackin house. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so, like when I when I saw this outbuilding, and it didn't really have a use, and um, like, like uh, okay, so you go to this outbuilding, the obvious use is to use it for animals, uh, and it had a door where the chickens go out, um, and then. To get into the outbuilding, Ash rigged up a old farm door that that we that was in the barn. Um, so she it had uh, working hinges on it. So she just um, tacked that up, and uh, really cool outbuilding. Um, the okay, so with the amount of waste that the chickens and the rabbits produce, you need a good amount of wood chips to offset all of that waste to be able or to, or a bigger outbuilding or a bigger outbuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so that you have enough wood chips where uh, every week or every two weeks, you can go in there and completely cover it, make it smooth. True, um, true deep litter method. Tr- yes. Because what we did this winter didn't work because we didn't have enough wood chips. So all the poop just kept piling on top of each other. Which is fine in a Wisconsin winter because yeah. everything is frozen. So it's not like they're like getting all gross in. Right. Right. Yeah. So like, I don't want people to feel like. Yeah. Totally mismanaging our animals. Yeah. But yeah. It didn't work out. Just from a functionality standpoint, I, I know that all this waste on top of each other, I'm like, okay, I'm not creating good compost here. That yeah, that's what it's, was worth bothering. It's too much me. of one thing and not of enough of another. That's right. Yeah. Um and then while I was out of town for work, uh Ash had to uh do the chores. Um and so it, all the stuff that I like put up with during chores she has to deal with not today satan no thank you i am uh very passionate about efficiency and not repeating steps and the redundancy of chores when i had to take over was like i was just I wasn't furious with you. I was just furious with the situation. Like I was stomping around in my box. Like I cannot believe he goes all the way over here to the back of the property and then stomps himself all the way back with buckets of water. Can you believe then we go in the barn? Like I was fuming <laughs> just with the situation on day one. And then I get on Amazon and I'm like, okay, omelet door. Cause I don't want to have to go out and do Sure. Open the chickens up. Um, heated waters. Obviously. You want to? Do you want to tell people what an omelet door is? I I know because I've looked into it. But oh yeah, um, it is a um, door, a chicken door, motorized chicken door on a timer. Um, 
or on a sunrise sunset um, light sensor. Um, because, okay, so our boys are almost five and almost three and doing chores with the boys with just one adult is not anybody's idea of a fun time. Um, <laughs> while he was gone, I put them in the double stroller and I rigged, um, I put like, I macrame, so I have um, cotton cord everywhere. I punched holes in the visors of the stroller, put these little cords that came down, tied my phone to the cords and was like, do you want to watch Doc McStuffins while we do the chores? Let's go. Um, and so you have to get really creative. <laughs> um, we butchered chickens like a month ago. We brought, so the boys were outside for like two hours doing their very best playing. And that got us through like prepping everything to butcher, um, getting the water up to boy or up to temp. Um, doing all the preparation stuff, but we hadn't actually touched a chicken yet by the time the two hours had elapsed. And that was how much time we had with oh toddlers before things were melting down. So yeah. we did a fire. We got them marshmallows because that's the best thing in life. And then I brought train tracks out in the garage and um, my laptop and put on Puff and Rock and was like, there we go. And we got more time out of it. So um, yeah, I guess I'm advocating stars. for calculated screen time. If you're going to farm with toddlers, they get a ton sure. of outside time. They do their best. And then you need Doc McStuffins. Um, <laughs> but chores were terribly inefficient. So I overhauled everything while Dylan was gone and I put, so chicks had grown out of their um, brooder area. So I built a um, chicken, run, chicken, chicken enclosure, enclosure in the barn, kind of like a stall system thing with just a bunch of fencing that we had laying around. And um, <clears throat> so then we had to split the chickens up Um because we bought ones that we didn't realize this, but they were very aggressively de-beaked. So oh. like over half of them, their beaks didn't meet in the front. They're like, where am I? They're like this, or they're crossed over yeah. one or the other. And we had a big uh, lice and mites problem. Oh no. This winter because they can't prune themselves effectively. Um. So we moved them. Uh, so right now all of our chickens are in the barn that have functioning beaks. And then in the rack and house, our chickens are without good beaks are in there. We wanted to isolate so that we didn't have to fight lice in the entire population. And then our ducks are in there with them right now. So it's a duck, chicken, and rabbit house nice. for the winter a, a dragon house a there, <laughs> there you go yeah so dylan's issue with the um rackin house is that he didn't have enough wood chips and like wood chip sourcing was an issue sure. on his side 
my side for when I was doing chores, I hated going in the rack and house because um, they do such a good job at um, burying themselves places and going through everything that it's like climbing mountains. Like you, your foot gets stuck in a hole. I almost fell like a whole bunch of times. I'm a very sure. person. So I didn't like to spend time in the rack and house. Um, so if you're going to plan on doing something like that, then I would plan to like rake it on a regular basis so that it's relatively flat or just don't be clumsy. The bog boots are so beautiful, but they're so, they're such a trip hazard yeah. for me. Yeah. Well, I can't They're wait. So heavy. I can't wait till the spring where I can just wear regular steel toes. Sure. Because they're so yeah. clunky. They're nice for the snow, but they're clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did we did talk to um we t- we talked about the Rackham House prior to uh, getting on here that that raking it will be a big improvement. That was like okay. also the other source of my cussing during yes. chores. Like <laughs> these chickens. It was like a foot difference disparity yeah. from one pile. That's to a the lot. Next. And a lot. there is one light bulb in the Racken house. Mm-hmm. And it gets dark here in the winter at 430. So you're always doing chores in total darkness, which was the other sure. thing. I was like, how does he do this <laughs> without a headlamp, without a flashlight? Like, so I went on and got that stuff too. I'm the purchasing manager. So he just didn't come to me because he doesn't like to buy new things. And I'm like, no, we're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. So that was a roundabout answer to the racking house. Yes. (laughs) That's okay. I liked it. (laughs) Um, couple follow up. Did you buy your omelet door directly from omelet? Yes. Whatever. How much did it cost? Cause I, okay. Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. I saw a lot of like knockoffs on like Instagram ads or whatever, like 20 bucks. No, no way. Yeah. 20 bucks for a motorized thing when the original is like 150 or whatever it was. I don't remember. I think that we, yeah, I think that we um, paid 160. Okay. Yes. Okay. And it was easy to install. I was happy with that. Um, it would have been easier to install had you been able to cut whatever hole you wanted. Like we had an existing spot that we wanted to use it. So we had to like, I had to patch the hole was too big. So I had to add wood around it. Um, but yeah, overall we've been really pleased. Okay, cool. I just... I couldn't justify the spending 150 bucks just to like make it make it easier for for me personally. I was just yeah. like, I'll just go do it, whatever. I'll just yeah, it's fine. Um, so you have how many how many laying laying hands do you have? Um, there's no way of knowing. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a batch of chicks that. We still call the chicks, but they're definitely not chicks. Um, we got them. I went I went to a swap meet, an animal swap meet in 
It was the end of August. We had been here two weeks and I went to a swap meet. It was the first time I had ever gone to anything like that. Neither of us grew up in agriculture whatsoever. Um, My other farming friend took me to a swap meet and I was like, this is the coolest ever. Just like a million trucks making an aisle with tailgates and just like letting animals out. Favorite ever. Um, So we were there towards the end. It ended at noon and people were like, (laughs) it reminded me of cat calling. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you, do you want some chicks? I'm not taking these home with me. Do you want them for free? And I was like, okay, we already have a brooder that we like inherited with our property. So I was like, I'll take, it was like 11 chicks, brought them home. I'm like, surprise, Dylan, it's chicks. (laughs) We've never done chicks before. And um, he was like, okay, cool. Let's go put them in the, in the little brooder spots. We had a lamp and everything set. And I said, okay, I have to go to Tractor Supply and get chick crumbles and I'll be right back. So then I went to Tractor Supply and their chicks were half off, which meant that they were like 50 cents a piece. So obviously I got 35 (laughs) because chicken math, if I'm going to raise 11, then I might as well raise like 40 some or whatever. Pretty much. Yeah. So, um, we have the batch of chicks, which is like the of the ones that made it is like 25, 30, and they're yeah. straight run. So we have some really pretty roosters in that batch. And those ones will start laying like April, May. And then we have the batch with the good beaks, which is like 13 hens. And then there's like 10 with messed up beaks in the which are doing fine for themselves. Like everybody's doing great. So actively, actively laying, I'm going to say, are like 25, but we're getting still only like two or three eggs a day for slash um, coldness uh, winter issues. So, and it's too much for us. We're going to, focus more on ducks and minimize chickens because it's been really hard to feed them through the winter and not get anything. Like I know that that's a very common thing that people do. We don't love to do it, especially with how high feed costs are right now. Um, And they're just more drama. Yep. Yep. They're more health issues. Um, overall and it's not like we've had tons and tons of issues with them but compared to the ducks that are like completely 100 percent self-sufficient mm-hmm. they forage so well um they are up and about like actively looking for bugs and stuff like every second of every day they put themselves to bed at night like we just want to focus more on those versus the chickens. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, something that eats uh, a majority of its diet in grass and bugs and takes care of its own young. Yeah. Uh, That's the other thing. Yeah. 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 Because we didn't love the chicks process. Mm. Um, 
we could do it. It's a skill that both of us wanted to have. Um, but if a mom duck is going to take care of 15 babies, more power to you. Like I, I want to facilitate that <laughs> and I don't want to do the incubating and hatching. That'll be like a cool homeschool thing that we do, but sure. not like scale production. Um, and Fair our enough. chicken did well, but we lost like a third. Oh, wow. A third to a third. Yeah. Um, which we heard was super normal for, um, I don't know if it's for our area or. The, or for new people doing is. this. No, yeah. there have been like five or six people that I've talked to that were like, oh yeah, that's right on the money. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. That yeah. was sad. That is sad. Yeah, it I, was hard. I ran 25 meat birds last year, lost one like a day or two after I got it. And then the other one got like wet and I never like dried it off properly. And I think it got too cold and that's why it died. But mm -hmm. two out of 25 is pretty good. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, and then I've also never had like a mite problem either. And so... I just, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how you treat that other than like diatomaceous earth, I guess. And um... that's what we ended up doing because the, there were a bunch of natural um, sprays that you could put together um, to take care of it. But we had our issue in the winter and so we can't get them wet for mm. freezing. Um, so we did the DE and like just a really large, it's like a six foot in diameter kiddie pool um, mm -hmm. dust bath that they have now. Yeah, sure. That took That's care cool. of things um, pretty well. But we, because also we had never had mites in our other flocks, we didn't know what it looked like. Um, I don't get out in the winter to do chores as much. Um, and obviously Dylan's out there every day, but he was like, everybody's molting, everybody's molting. And he didn't realize that there was something else going on. So then mm. when I went out, I picked him up and looked under their feathers and there's all kinds of red, yeah, little it's tiny, really gross. Yeah. Like full, so, you can see them with your eyes. So you, you can actually see like the little mites and the bugs and whatnot. Uh, okay. I might you have to look that the, up after the knits, the um, groups of eggs at the end, like towards the base of the feather shaft. Oh, close. And then they were so infested that you could see things running on them. Um, Yuck. Yeah. And so it was molting season. Like, I don't blame you for right. anything. Um, but I watched, I stood out and watched them for a while and you could tell that they were uncomfortable, like hmm. itchy. Um and I was able to catch one of the worst looking ones and um, found the mites. So then, yeah, it was stressful to know what was wrong and then be like, well, what are we going to do about it in the winter? That was yeah. a, that was an unfortunate. Right. Um, we didn't. Timing was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Timing was bad. Um, so we have a lot of. um Obviously, we've already learned a lot about what we're going to look for when we um, 
buy adult chickens in the future. Like the beak thing. I had never heard of that being an issue for anybody. Um, and then I looked it up and people have had problems. Um, so that would be something that we would look for, but mm -hmm. we have, uh, Rhode Island reds and we really like them for oh, nice. our climate. Um, and then some pretty roosters. We have a Brahma rooster that does a really good job. Um, yeah, he was gifted to us as a housewarming gift. <laughs> day one, we moved, uh, we were in the process of moving our stuff and, uh, it's she's now a neighbor that lives two streets over. She's like, here, have this nice. rooster. And she just like brought it out of her sedan and like, <laughs> put it. <laughs> these are your Good. ladies now. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. He's uh, great. So you guys have like, I saw you guys posted like a egg carton collage. Like, is that how you sell your eggs? Like, is that like a marketing marketing thing and like yeah eggs. so um we have a thing in the fox cities called fox valley hidden rocks um okay and so uh this concept is people paint rocks and hide them around the the, the city and if okay. you find a rock uh let's say it's like in the landscaping of a restaurant or at a park um you're supposed to take a picture of it where you found it and, and then rehide it somewhere else. And so I got this idea of doing that with egg cartons where you uh, color on them or, you know, write on the inside of them, like a little quote or okay. phrase okay. That, that you want to see. Then, uh, sitting down with my kids doing, doing art stuff. We, you know, I, one of my favorite things to do when I was a kid was make, make collages. Um, and so I, uh, like my permaculture mind started going like, okay, uh, I could do a collage on paper, but if I do a collage on an egg carton while I'm already sitting here, spending time with the kids doing art, you know, there's so many uh, yields that I'm getting out of. Oh, the, yeah. Um, plus when someone gets that uh, carton of eggs from us, you know, th they're getting a piece of art, uh, whether it's done by me or my kids, uh, or if we do um, uh, homeschooling events in the future, you know, I'll bring out a bunch of egg cartons, a bunch of old magazines, and kids just go to town. Maybe sign your like your first name on the inside of the, sure. the curtain. And um, we've gotten a whole bunch of people that have donated magazines to us, and um, you love it. Like you, your soul loves it. Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> fun to do, um, and then knowing that that's going to brighten uh, one of our customers' days. Um, it, it's, it's, I'm looking, we haven't, okay. We haven't sold a carton of eggs with the collages yet. Cause I started okay. doing it in the winter. We haven't sold a carton of eggs. Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah. So <laughs> we, 
were in the process of uh, buying the house. We were five days to closing, Mm -hmm. Um, closing on the same day, uh, the sale of our house and the purchasing of this house and the lengths that I had to go administratively to get that process done was just like so taxing, (laughs) like to have all the paperwork where it needed to be like managing inspections and all this other stuff, five days to closing. We're so close. We can taste it. And I can't get anybody to insure our house because we are planning to sell eggs. So they weren't going to homeowners insurance asks about this. Yeah. And I did not know that they, I went through one. I don't remember. It was like an ag related insurance company. And they were like, yeah, we're going to have to pass. And I was like, well, who else do I go to? They were like, uh, well, we don't know, but we checked with 200 uh, not lenders, but 200 insurance providers. And everybody said no, because you're going to sell eggs. Not like, that well, kind of agriculture, you know, big combine kind of agriculture. Correct. That's what, yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah that's um, who we want to insure. Yes. So um, I said, well, what if I like, we won't sell eggs then because obviously I need my house insured. And they were like, they kind of laughed at me like, well, that's just what you're going to say. And then you're going to do it anyway. And I'm like, well, what is even happening right now? (laughs) So I went to state farm and talked to an agent there and it's got farm right in the title. Yeah. Same thing. I said, okay, then I am telling you right now that I'm not going to sell eggs. And she's like, Oh, well then that's totally fine. Let's get this moving. And she like took me at my word and I'm like, thank you. That's what everybody else should have done. But so we sell business cards for $50 and you receive 10 dozen free eggs. Okay. So you purchase the piece of paper and you get free eggs. I gotcha. I'm following. And, um, So that's what we're planning on doing in the summer if we have enough surplus because we had a bunch of surplus during the um, summer months. Well, I mean, we've only been here since the end of August. So we had surplus um, late summer, early fall, and we wanted to fulfill some CSA members. So we... um, gave them a bunch of eggs and then we haven't had a farm fresh egg in a million years through the winter. So we'll be doing the, obviously just keeping a bunch unwashed, but then we also want to try the lime. Oh yeah. For preservation. uh, Yeah. For preserving eggs. um, To get us through the winter because there's nothing worse than feeding your chickens two times or every day and caring for your chickens all day and then having to go to the grocery store and buy pasture raised eggs. Like that's a no from me. So yeah, we'll see. But that's our little workaround for insurance. I like it. Yeah. So 
we're hoping that the rogue food conference comes to Wisconsin. Um, we were planning on going last year, uh, but it just didn't work out. Um, so I, I'm hoping to meet, uh, you know, people in the space, uh, sure. if, if that comes to Wisconsin. Um, cause I was listening to a uh, interview that Joel Salatin did with Curtis Stone and he, he dropped the hint that, uh, that they're going to be doing one in Wisconsin. So oh. I am looking forward to that. Isn't Curtis Stone up in Canada though? Yep. He's in Canada. Um, and, uh, so the people that put the rogue food conference on are Joel Salatin and John Moody. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So then, uh, maybe I can bring a couple of my, uh, uh, collage egg cartons along. Yeah, you could get get Joel Salatin to sign one. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, sell it for a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I would um, love to see Dylan meet Joel Salatin because your brain would explode. Yeah, <laughs> like literally. <laughs> Some people get uh like nervous around big CEOs of stuff or like politicians or whatever celebrities whatever people normally fawn over that would be it for you Mm -hmm. he wouldn't okay yeah (laughs) it's perfect i think that's the perfect kind of person Mm -hmm. i'm biased but (laughs) that's totally fine are you guys selling rabbit manure did i see that yes or or was it just the one sale or are you continuously selling it yeah, so um, I mean, we have plenty of rabbit manure. So um, rose let... gardener's best friend or rose gardener's dream, whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, listening listening to uh, Jack Spirico's podcast, um, selling. You know, just just go out there and see see what sells. Um, sure. So I, I post uh, rabbit manure on Facebook Market. I don't get a lot of hits. <laughs> what? What do you mean? Surprising. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I get. Call them Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, yeah. Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. They're probably healthier, huh? You know how probably. people do those jokes on Facebook market where they're like, brand new pencil eraser, $30. And people are like, ha ha, I'll take it. Or like when the uh, lumber uh prices were through the roof people would be like one new piece of lumber and they would be like selling a pencil and it would be like two hundred dollars <laughs> that's what yeah. i feel like people thought your thing was oh, like he couldn't possibly oh, be selling sure. <laughs> i hope that's how people interpreted it and that it made their day yeah because that's how i would have felt not being in agriculture oh like, yeah just no, scrolling like real. oh rabbit manure oh that's weird yeah that's but I, I did get a notification, and mm-hmm. uh, some guy wanted to buy uh, like four four pounds of uh, yeah, I think it was four pounds of uh, manure. Um, and why I said four, not five, or like four. Why four? Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of well, specific. You know, what? it may have been five. Um, but when I uh, when I filled up the uh, bags, that came out to like ten pounds, and because it's in the winter and the, the manure is heavier cause it's, it, it's not dried out. I'm like, mm. whatever. I'm, I, I collect 
buckets of this stuff anyway, so I'm just going to yeah. be pitching it into the garden anyway. So, where did that person live? That yeah, that manure. So I, so I said, you know, I can just stop by the farm and pick it up. And he said, well, where, are, where are you? And I'm like, I'm, I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin. And he said, oh no, I'm in South Carolina. <laughs> so he did a Facebook market with shipping post for manure. All right. And then what happened? Uh, so I, I work, I work from home during the day. So Ash does all the, uh, running kids and errands shtick. And so I said, okay, you have to take this rabbit manure to the... I'm going to Target. I'm going to drop off the boys at Grandma and Grandpa's, and I have like two other work-related tasks. And Dylan says, yeah, and just grab that bag of manure and bring it to the post office. Here's the address, and you can send this to this guy. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm used to this and I get it. But, like, the average person is not used to this. And I don't – if you're going to be the weirdo that sells manure, then you got to go to the post office. (laughs) Like, that's it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to bring it. It'll be fine. I get to the post office. And how had you packaged it? I don't remember. You packaged it in clear plastic bags <laughs> so you can clearly tell that it's a bag of poop. And um, there was nothing holding it. So I I didn't know that that was the way it was packaged. So I would have had to gone into the post office being like, hey, here's some poop. Got to ship it. And then put it onto the scale like just, just poop. like almost like raw yeah <laughs> yeah and the post office is packed all the time there was a line oh, out yeah. the door i spent like a really good amount of time looking through the the agricultural vehicle which is our minivan to figure out if i had a bag if i had a box we had just cleaned normally i'd have like a hundred things to put poop in to bring into the post office. Sure. They just cleaned the van out. There was nothing. And I spent like 15 minutes on it. And I'm like, I am not, I am not going to be this person. We have to do it another time. Yeah. Well, we ended up getting um, flat rate boxes. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so we, I did she brought, solve it. Yeah. She brought the boxes home. I packaged it up and then they, the, um, they picked what? it up from our porch. Yeah. yeah we just set it up. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, so we would do that again, but yeah, I so the guy bring the poop to the yeah post office. Yeah, so the guy like bought twenty five bucks worth of rabbit manure and shipping was sixteen twenty five, and he was like, Jeez. "Cool, love it, let's do it." <laughs> okay, okay. So that was my first official rabbit manure sale. We barter it with people around here, though, yeah. for other stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um. What do what do what do you get? What does poop get you, I guess? Um, last year I'm just curious. Us, who did we barter with? Carrie for plants. Yep. So our friend Carrie is an herbalist. Um nice. We moved out here. We wanted to be in Black Creek for the community because we knew people that lived out here already. So for this house to come available and be in 
like the country neighborhood that we were hoping for was like an extra bonus. So we have uh, quite a few friends in the Black Creek area, one of which is an herbalist and she does, um, she does winter sewing, but she, she lives on the property that she grew up in and has been planting stuff there for 20 years, 30 years. So she um, pots up uh, little perennials that come up in the spring. And what have we gotten from her? Um, elderberry. Elderberry, medicinal sage. Yarrow. Um, yarrow, bloodroot. Yeah. All kinds of cool stuff yeah. from her. Um, nice. Yeah. And then we're going to barter uh, rabbit manure for maple syrup this year. Yeah. It'll be a, a multifaceted, not just rabbit manure, but, um, and then people want to barter plant starts, which is cool. Like our plant starts, um, for other things we're getting shelving from another farmer to, uh, put our grow lights on and start our plants on, um, in exchange for growing all of her starts for her. Cause she's, seven months pregnant with her third baby. She's like, I'm not starting plants from seed this year. So you can have as many shelves from our barn as you want if you can start our tomatoes and our peppers. So um, bartering has been really lucrative already for us. And we're just at the very beginning of um, exploring all of those networks around us. Yeah, all right. We've only been here for six months, so I'm, uh, you know, excited for uh, the many more months to follow what comes out of this lifestyle. You guys talk a lot about um, community and networking. Uh, Tell me about these these food networks that you're trying to establish. Yeah, so um, last year, last year or the year before, um, uh, I, I listened to or. I watched a few videos um, from a guy named uh, Christian Westbrook and one video that he shared really got my attention of how, um, you know, we, I mean, in Wisconsin, we haven't really seen this, but uh, uh, food shortages, um, not, not from an actual lack of food, but from a, um, kink in the processing of that food uh that's yeah. that's a, that's an important thing that people need to know uh that it's a kink in the processing of food that is causing the food shortages um but he was talking mm-hmm. about how in the wake of these food shortages this this grassroots food system is it's just going to emerge uh, as um you know, people have surpluses from their gardens as the homesteading trend that was set off in 2020, as that continues to mature over the next 10 years, um, that this, this grassroots food system is just going to uh, grow into its own. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I, what I envision Mm -hmm. is, um, so when, when you when you grow your own food, you know, 
you're responsible for starting the plants. You're responsible for putting them in the ground, um, caring for them through their life cycle. And then the end of summer hits, you're wiped out from gardening, but now you're expected to preserve all of it. You have and to wear all the hats. You have to wear all the hats. And what I imagine is, let's say, um, in this in this food system that I envision, um, let's say someone isn't going to be out there weeding, watering, putting stuff in the garden, um, laying fresh compost, you know, all the heavy um, lifting and the physically taxing stuff. But someone can raise their hand and say, hey, I will start all the plants that... Um, that these households need. Because um, that's a strength of mine and I can do that. Yeah. Or they have the efficiencies where, yeah, that's their strong suit. Okay. Um, so that, that person starting out, um, they're going to feed the chain. They supply all the seedlings to, let's say, the producers. And they're, they're the ones uh, growing the, the bulk of the food. Um but like I just said, where's the where's the bottleneck? It's in um, processing, preservation, preservation. So for every one producer of let's say tomatoes, um, you're going to have three or four households that will take the product, preserve it, and then uh, redistribute that to everyone else up the food chain that helped make that product. Sure. <clears throat> um, now, something like this doesn't happen overnight. It happens through relationships that, uh, that are formed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people, people have to see value out of it. Um, the thing that we have uh, come across the most when we say we live on a five acre regenerative farm is oh my gosh, that's my dream. I would love to be able to do what you do, but I can't because X amount of reasons. Some uh, more valid than others. I don't want to get on a soapbox about what you can and can't afford. That's like a, it's a common thing that I hear as a dietitian and a doula. I would love to focus on my health, but I can't afford that. Um I think that like as a whole society, we need to, okay. In my area, in our area, we live in um, an affluent part of Wisconsin. The most of the clients that I see are, um, they have a lot of disposable income and we when you have a good amount of disposable income and you choose not to prioritize something, then call that what it is, which is health is not my priority right now. My priority is um, these vacations for my family or um, this extra vehicle or whatever. I'm not demonizing any of that, but it's just health is not the priority. Um, That's so a lot of people say, oh my gosh, that's my dream, but we can't because this, 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 and this. So how do, 
we uh, work together to bring those people that can't do what we do and love it and want to be a part of it into our farming journey and how do we make it a symbiotic relationship so that we can get help from people because we can't do it on our own. Um, and what do they get out of it? Um, so we're trying to, with like the events that we have going through, it'll be May through October. We're going to have the barn dances, um, once a month, um, movie night at the farm once a month. Um, we got a big like conference, gigantic conference projector that we're going to throw a movie up once a month. We're going to have an overnight camp out where we teach um, outdoor cooking on the rocket stove. Um, some like basic uh, preparedness, survivalism, outdoor stuff. Um, and it'll be a family camp out. And then we'll have a crunchy mom's um, get together once a month for people that are interested in naturally minded stuff, moms that are interested in naturally minded stuff. So we're trying to build community in those like non-agricultural ways to get people excited, to get people out here to say, oh my gosh, your six apple trees are so beautiful. I want to come out and help you pick. That's what we got. I last see. Fall. So you get them, you get them hooked through other means. So like it's a movie or it's an Easter egg hunt. Like I saw you guys posted yeah. or a um, yeah. number of other things. That's cool. Cause I was curious, like, how did you get in? Like, how did you get into like hosting community events in your farm? Cause like, again, you've only been there six months and I feel like you've built it up like rather, rather quickly. Yeah. We knew when we got this place that we had to hit the ground running uh, from a financial standpoint, um, but also we want to bring Dylan home to farm full time and to, we're not going to, to derive all of our income from farming and actually we're probably not going to derive much income from the actual farm products but we can monetize our lifestyle 10 other different ways sure. so that we can work as a family so that he doesn't have to be in a corporate job. And um, like our five-year-old Ted already knows that that's the trajectory and we'll be like in a store, we'll be in target and he'll be like, well, I don't really think we need that because um, if we don't spend that money, then dad can come home and he doesn't have to work on his computer. And I'm like, yeah, that's far away, but like, you got it, dude. Like we have to, nice. that's the whole family goal. We want to educate our kids together. Um, and so how do we, yeah, monetize in different ways. So like I have my um, virtual and in-person nutrition services and virtual in-person doula services. Um and then we have the farm community events, which we're offering um, a farm membership that we're rolling out in the next few weeks here. That'll be like a yearly membership fee to 
that would include all the events for the entire year. Plus we have a um, like indoor outdoor classroom in our barn that's going to have a library in it and um, all kinds of like sensory bin activities and laminated scavenger hunts for every season and just all kinds of nature based resources for homeschooling um, because homeschooling has just exploded over the last two years. Um, We have a huge community of homeschoolers in our area and people are just chomping at the bit to learn in a farm setting. Um, We do in-home childcare um, over the summer for kids that need care that are normally in school. Hmm. Um, That's another uh, income generation for us. I, I posted on Facebook in a crunchy moms group about if anybody what, would like, to okay, what their... is that? What is crunchy? Oh, moms? Okay. <laughs> so you said um, that twice now. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it is, uh, so crunchy is, um, a synonym for, well, it used to be for like hippie kind of stuff like, oh, you're a crunchy person. You're a hippie. Oh, like granola. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I posted in a um, crunchy mom's group. If So I'm a doula and a dietitian. We farm in Black Creek. Um, we try to responsive parent. We're homeschooling our kids. Um, would anybody like part-time childcare? And as far as engagement goes and like likes and comments, it's like when me and Dylan got engaged is like up here when we got married is like up here. And then this post is like right here. Like it was a hundred and some comments from our own local community and uh, a bunch of moms that were like, yeah, um, I don't have any kids that need care, but can I come over and you just like babysit me and I'll just frolic around your farm all day. And I'm like, (laughs) well, yeah. So that's where the crunchy moms, uh, monthly get together came from was all these moms wanted to just come and be so like for a crunchy moms event and I'm going to plan it this way. We'll like harvest all summer. So like they'll come over from six to eight. We'll have like hummus and kombucha and all kinds of yummy stuff. Everybody brings something and then we'll harvest and I'll teach you how to grow peas, like where they grow best and how I started them or how I sewed them and all of this stuff because people want to learn skills and we have the ability to do that. So it's going to be less of for monetization for us, it's going to be less of selling our food and more of just us being able to produce our own food. And our monetization is building community and um, teaching skills. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. It'll be really awesome. Yeah. And you, you brought up a good, good point about, um, yeah, kind of expanding on the value for value um, I don't want to say the word transaction, exchange. but exchange. Um, I, I used to work um, at a garden um, locally. Uh, it, w- it was when I first started getting into uh, like um, 
organic gardening and understanding that lifestyle and like, okay, I need to get my <clears throat> hands on this and experience it. So I started volunteering at this, this garden. Um, but what, what I noticed is I'm, I'm putting in, um, it, it was four hours on a Saturday, um, during the summer. And I would, I would lead, uh, various groups to do, uh, to do tasks on the farm. Um, what I'm noticing is that I'm, I'm, I think you're supposed to, you're supposed to feel that you need something from that experience. And if you try to explain that to someone for being it was a, a not for profit, it was a not for profit. It was volunteering. But if, if you told someone that said, and said, you know, I, I kind of wanted to like leave there with like a couple peppers and a bag of carrots, you know, that's it, selfish. That's selfish. That's greedy. Why, why would you expect that from a nonprofit? And I'm like, well, I had stopped doing it. I, I, I stopped volunteering. Like life happened. If, there would have been value for value exchange, you know, maybe I, I prioritize that and make it a part of my life. Um, we want to build sustainability and we want sustainability so that we're not like asking for free labor from people. Exactly. Without anything in return. And so that, they feel motivated that they would like to come back. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Not saying that volunteering is like. It's great. It's great. (laughs) It's not. Okay. So I worked for a not-for-profit for for forever. And um, for like, since I was 14 till I was 25. And the. um turnover rate in a not-for-profit is crazy. Like the employee turnover rate, because you're there doing a job for not the money that it's worth. And that's okay for a little while. And then it's not. And you go somewhere where you get what you should be getting or a not-for-profit. They and I'm speaking in generalities, this was my personal experience with this one. Everybody that wanted to be there for the good of the cause was just like blood dry. All of their resources, all of the, well, can you just stay late and do this? Take an advantage of and yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then they go somewhere else where um, they feel more appreciated and like, they're getting something in return. And like from a nature, I, we always talk um, just in our conversations while we're doing dishes or whatever, like, would this occur in, uh, in nature where some, somebody would do something for someone without receiving anything in return. And that's really not the case because in village living, yes, you're going to do something nice or extra or out of your way for somebody, knowing that they'll have your back 
at a later time, like the same way that country neighbors are like, it's with our friends across the street. Um, they, <laughs> we got this huge, heavy snowfall and we have no equipment to deal with it. Um, except for a shovel. So Dylan was out that day with his shovel, just trying while to do his best sick. while he was super, super ill um, with a cold. And Haley um, across the street goes, tell him to stop. Josh is on his way. Please tell him to stop. So he brought um, his whole tractor over and plowed us all out. That we didn't give them anything in return. Right. And that feels really weird for me as not a country neighbor person, not being raised in that. And Haley always says, I know you guys would do the same for us. I, I know that we have each other's backs and that you're, we've got each other. Like that's what village living would be. So there really isn't a, even though like you were saying transactions, even right. though it's not a, I'm going to give you this and then you are going to give me this and it's going to be of equal value and then we both feel good. There is a give and take yeah. in most relationships. And when you are in a not-for-profit, there is not give or take. You are always giving and that's nice of you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. So we want value for value exchange and in our market around here, people are super excited to learn. And they're very overwhelmed by like, which we're new to gardening relatively. Yeah, We just started our own seeds last year, but the year before I wasn't involved in the gardening process at all. It was too scary. What do you mean plant a seed? Like that's abstract and I don't know what you're saying. So I'm not going to do it. Like we were just talking recently about how people around here are terrified of seeds. They want plants to start with. Sure. Um, and Maggie said one time, one of our friends was like, that's the most backwards thing ever because you pay three or $4 for the tomato plant and you paid like five cents for the seed. Like, what are you going to lose if you just right. plant oh. <laughs> the seed? and see what happens or do your best research and then pray over it. And that's it. Um, but uh, people want to learn. Adults want to learn. Their kids want to learn. And um, people are really passionate and excited about the farm setting as the facilitator for that. Yeah. Very cool. Are you guys... Um, are you guys in a CSA or did you start a CSA or something like that? We started a CSA to get our farm off the ground. So, um, we used the CSA, um, money for purchasing the farm and then, uh, like beginning infrastructure fencing and stuff. Um, so we have, five CSA members right now. And that's the most that we're going to take probably for this year. Um, we had, people were really generous. We were like, we don't have anything to give you right now, but 
if you contribute to us, if you feel passionate about what we're doing now, we will provide you with food as soon as we are able to. And people are like, yes, let's do that. So um, <clears throat> we are still providing our five CSA members. Um, it was a CSA card. So you got to choose the value and then you would get a 10% more than what you paid in actual um, food. Yeah. So it was really good for the um, purpose that it, um, that we, that it provided. It for, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really hard for cash flow purposes because by definition, you get the money up front and then you, for however long you need to produce after that. Um, so we're hoping for a farm stand. We have a well house that um, would turn into a farm stand really nicely. And Ted, uh, our oldest, his goal is to be a grocery store. So we're working on that. <laughs> he doesn't want people to have to ever go to the grocery. They can just shop at the farm for everything that they need. And I'm like, I agree, dude. I don't think that's ever going to be what this looks like, but I love you for all Who knows? Yeah. And if, I mean, like, <clears throat> he could, I don't know, outsource a couple things to, like, nearby yeah. farms or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, that's part of, like, your community thing. You could learn about that. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so he wants to do a farm... Um, stand trailer this year and he uh he stayed up one night like in november and was like chatty wanted to talk about everything um as we were laying in bed and i was like buddy you really need to go to bed and he's like i know but what about gardening and i was like okay what about <laughs> gardening and he was like what kind of seeds are we planting this year um and I said, we're probably going to do the same. He loves to grow um, kale in his stock tank gardens and radishes are his two favorites. Um, that is so weird for a five-year-old. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to say that. That's so weird. I know. He's like, well, I want to grow corn this year. I'm like, okay, do you want to grow sweet corn or popcorn? Both. Okay, sounds great. Do you think, mom, do you think that they have black popcorn? I don't know. Let's find out. So in his stocking, he got black popcorn seeds That's and cool. sweet corn and all of this other stuff. Um, so it's been really rewarding because even though, so like all of us adults that didn't grow up in this are like, what do you mean a seed? But Ted will be five in April and he knows exactly what to do. Vinny, who is almost three, Last year, he was planting squash seeds, and Dylan just keeps every squash seed ever and yeah. then, like, has big bags of squash seeds that he gives out to kids when they come by and teaches them how to plant. And so, Vinny, what did he do? Okay, so to plant the squash seed, we dug the hole. Um, I gave him the squash seed. He threw it in the hole, and then I covered it up. And then I, I told him to pat the dirt. So he goes, pat, pat, pat. And then uh, give it a kiss. And then he goes, 
he like gets really sarcastically close to the 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 uh, the ground, and he goes ma ma. But he still does that with everything. Like yeah. we're baking, um, oh, like yeah. we're baking keto desserts, and um, we put the flour in, and then his hand immediately goes into the bowl and starts patting. Pat 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 pat. pat. The like um, what's essentially like is like batter or whatever. What's wet? I'm assuming. Oh, like, anything. The, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. All all parts. It's not for the faint of heart as a. Um, as a person who likes type A control over situations, Dylan is the baker with the kids. I can do a lot of other things, but that is True. not, <laughs> that is not my area. But yeah. So he was like two last year and he was planting all of his seeds and those little baby hands, yeah, with the seeds. And he'd have them in his pockets and just like pull them out every once in a while. And, um, but we're already making a difference and we're seeing it because our kids know how to plant seeds. And they know what grows in season. Like, literally, I did not know that until Two four years. years ago. Yeah. Sure. Like, yeah. I grew up in a household of strawberries in January and not even really knowing what something should taste like because I only ever experienced it from the grocery store. My beautiful mother is like, we grew strawberries at our last house. And she was like, I don't know about, like... I just don't like the taste of these. I prefer the grocery store when they have some white on them. And I was like, gross. Yuck. What? <laughs> Who That's are disgusting. you? Um, so we didn't, we didn't know where things came from. I didn't know where things came from at all. I didn't understand seasonality and Ted knows all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. He is so incredible. And we're doing it. Yeah. Oh, so another quick story about um, like kids like following the things that you do. Yeah. Um, so we have a pantry in the basement. It was all like lined with uh, shelving. So it's like, okay. Um, a root cellar. A root cellar. <laughs> um, so 2020 was the year that we stopped being fake uh, preparedness minded people and became actual preparedness-minded people. Because in March of la uh, of 2020, I'm like, Ash, go to Costco. You know the things that we like. Uh, go balls to the wall, buy as much as we need for the next four months. And so we she came back with uh, tuna, mayo. Um, we, uh, what other things? Cashews, cashews, coconut high, milk, coconut milk, high calorie things. Um, and so 2020 was the year that we got into uh, pantry management. Um, so to to go to a house that uh, you know has a dedicated room for a pantry, yeah, we have a dedicated room for a pantry, and our kitchen has a regular size pantry. Yes, which was not the nice. case at our other house. Yeah. It was like four cabinets and that's all you get. So we're just like in luxury now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one day I see uh, <laughs> Ted is filling up a little peanut butter jar full of uh, roasted pumpkin seeds. And then he just put them in the uh, uh, cabinet that uh, right over here uh, that we store all of uh, the diapers in. 
And slippers. It's a diaper and slippers cabinet. And then he just put a thing of uh, pumpkin seeds in there. It's like, in case I get hungry. He said, <laughs> to be prepared. To be prepared. Nice. And so then it started growing from there. Uh, he would put like a bottle of water in there, you know, in case I get thirsty to be prepared. Um, and then he just started taking cans from our pantry downstairs and putting them into his pantry. This is my pantry, mom. Yeah. This is funny. And now, now we have uh, an actual like stand over here, a cabinet. So he filled his pantry. Yeah, filled it. And then every time I come home from the grocery store, he puts, he says, can I have one of those for my pantry? I don't have that in mine. And I say, sure, you can have that. So then I had a cabinet full of macrame stuff. And one day he said, I came in and all my macrame stuff was strewn all over the place. I'm like, dude, what's going on? Well, it's really cool, actually, mom. Um, I ran out of space in my first pantry. So this is my second pantry. This, this is our food. If we can't get to the basement pantry or my first pantry, if something happens that we can't get to both of those things, then all of this food is in here. And so I'll be making a recipe and I'll be like, Hey, Ted, can you check your pantry for this, this, and this? Oh, I would love to. And he comes in here well, what shape pasta do you want? Do you want this shape? shape? No, I don't need I don't need spaghetti. I need the swirly ones. No, I don't have any of that in there. I'm gonna have to go downstairs. It's the cutest. Yeah, and it's actually really helpful because it's super helpful. Uh fifty percent of the time he comes back with what you need and you don't have to go to the basement. <laughs> nice. He should do yeah. a TED talk. Yeah, yeah, right. Well his name yeah. Okay, yeah, we we discussed that already. <laughs> So what motivates you to grow your own food then? Ash, go ahead and take that one. Um, honestly, at the beginning, it was like overwhelming anxiety um, about not being able to feed our family. Like the, it always seemed like optional up until 2020. Like, oh, it would be really nice to grow this or that or provide this for ourselves but we can't do that we live in a neighborhood we can't do that because the list of things of like not taking that plunge into like truly trying to be self-sufficient or like community sufficient um and then 2020 came and it was like paralyzing fear that we were not going to be able to should something happen because I didn't think something could happen up until 2020 um, should something happen we need to be prepared that's it so that's where it started and then <clears throat> you can't live in fear because it'll kill you and that's like another theme of 2020 for us was like, it started in fear and then you get more and more information. You get more and more information and then you whittle that down to what you can actually apply to your life and then kind of tune everything else out. Yeah. 
Um, and that has been a long journey. Um, a lot of what happened in 2020, um, like I internalized and like followed it. Um, like fo- I, I followed all the news stories. Um, I was, yeah, no problem. Um, I wasn't watching a lot of news, but I was, you know, um, I was listening to my podcasts and really, uh, like keeping, um, track of what was going on. Um, and, uh, you know, you just gotta, you have to relinquish that fear. Um, and, uh, and so really just recently I've, I've broken that cycle of, even caring what the news has to say. Um, so like this whole, um, Ukraine thing, um, I don't, I don't even, I don't even follow it. Like I can't do anything about it. It's not that I don't care. It's just, I can not change that course. So like why even put any energy into it? Um, but going back to growing our own food, um, like we were, we were on like standard American diet um, up until like 2014. Um, I mean, with her being a dietitian, um, and then me, um, I, I started eating healthier um, in high school uh, because I, I was a power lifter and I knew that if I was eating better, I would get better results in the gym. Get them um, gains. Yeah. Yes. And, and I did. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, the quality of our food, um, that didn't happen until like 2016. And then it really ramped up in, uh, uh, I, I would say 2019 is when we, uh, when we switched to uh, grass fed meat. Um, that's what, you know, pushed us over the edge. And then how can we, how can we, how can we grow our own, uh, grass fed meat, uh, which right now is just rabbits, but it's, it's a start. Sure. Um, so then what would you say the biggest challenge in homesteading is this you've, is that you've faced? Yeah, I would, right now, the biggest challenge is homesteading with kids. Um, now if you're, if your goal is to, um, if your goal is production, then homesteading and kids don't mix. But if your goal is to learn how to grow food as a family and get what you can off the land, um, then, then you're golden. Sure. Um, but that's, that's really where the community comes from is if you can get three to four families together and let's say uh, three of the adults are going to supervise all the kids and then that frees up the rest of the adults to go do various projects. Um, I could see that. That would, that would alleviate that. It's not a problem. It's just, uh, uh, what is it? the the kids are an underutilized resource sure that's that's how you gotta look at it there you go yeah it's Um, it's just uh something that you need to take into consideration 
That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. Within your the design of your uh, of your life. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and then I would say the second thing is uh, communication. Um, you know, I might have one idea for a, a project, and <clears throat> I might even start executing on that project, but it's not what Ash had in mind. Um, so really communicating what what the goals of the project are before we start them um, is the key to making everyone happy. Sure. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Like, hey, this is kind of what I was thinking about. Like, what were you thinking? Like, oh, I was thinking we put that over here. Or I thought it would look more like this or whatever. And like, oh, you know, that is a good idea. And like, well, or, you know, we can't do it that way because what about this? Like, oh, I didn't think about that. And so, like, you get that um, little bit of back and forth, have more of a conversation instead of, like, just you yourself just going through it in your own head and then you don't can there's a lot that you don't consider so right and if you if you storm ahead with an idea that you have um <clears throat> and you complete it but you didn't get the input of the other person um it's just not going to be a sustainable way to go forward with your homestead um right. Because they're not they're not providing their input, um, and you're just stepping on toes. You you need that input. It makes everyone feel um, like they're heard on the on the farm. Yeah, and the it they need to feel like they're a part of it too. Like this is where they live. Also, it's not just like, oh, that's Dylan's garden or that that's Matt's garden. Like, no, this is our thing that we do That's together right. yeah yep no absolutely yeah um, we've definitely um made improvements um in the six months that we've been here in communication yeah yeah i bet i mean that's a that's a big move because you're saying like all the projects that you want to that you want to take on um absolutely need communication that's a that's a new one i haven't heard that one before and i like it that's good yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's one thing to grow the grow the plants and grow the animals, um, but it's uh, it's managing how the people work together that then everything else happens. You know, without us, none of that other stuff happens. Right, right. So, what would you tell someone that wanted to get started? Um. Okay. I would say uh, start small, um, you know, master one skill at a time. Um, and if, if moving on to a homestead was your goal, um, you know, visit, visit some local homesteads, local farms, get your hands dirty. <coughs> um, you know, really understand if that's uh that's something that you want to do um yeah and uh starting to put those skills into practice before you actually move on to the homestead you know you can still have that homesteading mindset without being on on land sure uh, yeah and make those make those connections 
to, um, I mean, I don't know anybody that couldn't use a hand, like in doing anything, you know, right. prepping for the upcoming season, harvesting for the current season, like, you know, just literally anything like, Hey, by the way, we're going to start seeds. Um, would you mind helping or whatever? Like it's, it's even people that just backyard garden and don't sell anything that they keep it all. And then whatever they have left, they just throw to the chickens and like, seriously, everybody could use a hand. So. Right. Um, and it's funny. Um, we have a friend, um, she was inquiring about what kind of, um, um, or where, where we get our chicks. And, uh, that kind of led down a conversation of, um, well, why don't you come to a swap meet with us? And she said that she was, she was kind of nervous about going to the swap meet. And so that, uh, I, I just started thinking about like, well, this person, this person is a successful, um, uh, professional in, in their own right. Um, they're a chiropractor. Um, why, why would they be nervous about going, going to a swap meet to get, right. to get chickens? And I, I have to remember where I was, uh, like in 2016, I was intimidated about getting four chickens to have in the backyard. Oh yeah. Um, so understanding where people are, in their journey and trying to help them along. Um, uh, yeah, it's kind of neat to, uh, to be, uh, you know, that I don't, I don't know if trailblazer is the white right word, but, uh, kind of like their lifeline to this whole other world. Kind of <clears> like, <throat> like, I'll, I'll just, just walk with me. Like no one's going to know that you've never done this before. Like you're, we're just walking around looking at stuff like it's going to be okay. Like, right. Right. Um, yeah. Kind of like, uh, um, in 2015, uh, 2017 ish. Um, I started following, I'd say the, uh, uh, two people that had the most impact on, on what I'm doing right now is, uh, Jack Spirico and Justin Rhodes. Sure. Um, so, you know, they, they uh, are those, those guys earlier in their life. They they found the path that was right for them. Mm-hmm. They got situated in their lifestyles, and then they started bringing people over over to their lifestyle by by showing the people what they do. So now now I'm influenced by them. And I get situated in my area and show people what I'm doing, you know, with the videos that I'm creating. Yeah. Um, and now it's kind of cool to be like, I'm that next stepping stone for other people. Yeah. For somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. That's kind of, uh, I'd say the biggest reward out of all this is uh, who's, who's in the, the wake of, of our footsteps. It's, it's cool. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a cool feeling, um, at least that it's a possibility that someone could be like, oh wow, look at Dylan, like that you're like you're somebody to somebody. I guess I don't know how else to describe it, but like I don't know, it could be yeah. And uh, I I would say the <clears throat> once once kids 
and uh, children start saying, "Hey, um, I, I learned I learned these things from the Schnazy family." Uh, oh yes, that's that's gonna be cool. Like all the kids that are like seven or eight right now, and then they come and do homeschool and stuff with us. You know, in just ten years, those kids are gonna be adults. And to say that uh, that our journey was a part of their journey is that absolutely that's really, really cool. Like um, my very first interview I did, uh, he's from the West coast and he remembers like, he's like in his mid fifties now and he still remembers going over to his friend's house in Oregon and his family did like gardening and like had a few chickens and, hunting and fishing and so like that was like a huge impact on his on his life now he went on to have like a more like corporate job and then came back and is now like a full-time farmer but you know that was something that he always carried with him for the next 40 50 years so right yeah yeah so you just never know never know what yeah yeah the impact uh, yeah, and just like Ash was saying, um, you know, just you just have to plant the seed, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be a tomato seed or um, the seed of a, uh, a a relationship uh, tended to, or um, uh, a jar of soup given to a neighbor. What that could turn into, it. Um, yeah, just I, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to all those uh, those opportunities that that open up. Absolutely. Well, hey, uh, as we wrap up here, um, is there anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't um, that we didn't cover already? Um, no, I, I I think we did uh, pretty good. Um, maybe in a um, you know a year from now, or, uh, we could give like a little update on where we are at now, or um, we get, we could even. Um, you know, talk more about uh, her doula work um, and uh, like our thoughts on birth freedom and um, uh, supporting women um, through birth. Um, So we could, we could do an interview on, on that as well. Yeah. If she um, comes back in or whatever, I'd like to talk a little bit about that in the post show. Okay. Very good. Um, And it can be a separate thing too. Cause um my wife couldn't make it tonight and she's like, I listened to her podcast and it's so awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, so, Hey, what, what would you like to, what would you like to plug at the end here? Yeah. Um, so again, our business is study presence. Um, and just to explain what, uh, what study presence means, it's, um, we want to, we want to be the village for young families um, just getting into parenthood, um, so someone to lean on. Uh, so that's kind of where the, the name Steady Presence comes from. Okay. Um, so you can you can find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram. Um, we're also on uh, Float. Um, uh, that's the uh, censor-free uh, uh, <laughs> version of uh, uh, something like Facebook uh, for people that don't know. Um, and then, uh, I also do, uh, farm updates on YouTube. 
Uh, I haven't been doing them um, frequently uh, during the winter, but as we start ramping up here, I should be uploading uh, more videos. Uh, and then you can also. It's hard when there's nothing going on. <laughs> yes. And how, how do I stretch this? <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I hope that I'm putting enough uh, content out on Instagram that you at least get a flavor. Sure. Um, but then I'll, I'll start those videos up again. Uh, but you can also catch us on our, our website, www.steadypresence. Or uh, what is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, dash That's what I was looking for. Steady dash presence.com. I got you. Yes. <laughs> yes, I will. I will put that all in the show notes for you. Okay. Very good. So, hey, I appreciate you and uh, you and Ashley being here today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for uh, reaching out to us uh, what, a couple months ago. And uh, uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, good being on the show. Yeah. Thank you. All right. See ya. Hey everybody. Sorry about that little bit of background noise towards the end there. Um, Ashley went and checked in their new Airbnb guests. And uh, I mean, the listing was only up for like 16 hours, she said. And uh, she already had somebody book the whole month of March for way more than what Airbnb suggested her prices. And I'll have a video in the next couple of days. Her and Dylan talking about their Airbnb. Um, so if you have uh, any comments or anything, I'd uh, love to hear them. You can also send us an email, farmhoplife at gmail.com. It'd be great if you could share this video with other people, um, you know, just getting started homesteading or farming or even thinking about it or people just wanting to eat better food, local food, um, get in touch with their neighbors. You know, uh, Ashley and Dylan are really, you know, trying to build, build up their own community and that's what we need a lot more of. So uh, appreciate you watching. See you next time.